And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. DirecTV gives you access to apps like Netflix and live sports right next to each other. I don't get it. Let me put it in pigeon terms. It's like that one amazing dumpster with the old fruits and cardboard all in one place. How am I supposed to keep up with illustrative metaphors when you are making me so hungry? Get live TV and streaming apps together without a satellite. Visit directtv.com. Requires high-speed internet-connected Gemini device and separate paid subscription to watch Netflix on DirecTV. Terms and restrictions apply. The Athletic. I'll be honest, with that madness at the Etihad on Tuesday night, I'm not pissing around with a long intro, so welcome to this week's Why Always Us. I'm David Mooney, with me is Sam Lee. Hi, Sam. Hello. Uh, this is your Manchester City podcast from The Athletic. If you sign up to The Athletic right now, you can read all of Sam's stuff on City. And if you sign up now, you'll get 33% off the price of a full subscription. Just go to theathletic.com forward slash Man City pod. Um, I don't know about you, Sam, but I, I reckon uh, diving straight in is the best way to deal with that madness. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Into the Wolves game, yeah? Uh, yeah, 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 obviously. Um, that was that was the one. Um, the, the, the thing is, that Leeds game, um, like, honestly... What was it? Where did it come from? Like, like what what happened? Can you just can can you make any sense of it at all? Yeah, well, I mean, it was always going to be like that, wasn't it? It, it was always going to be open. Um, to be fair, going into it, I may have said end to end. In fact, I probably would have said end to end. I mean, there was no end to end, was there? It was it, it halfway was, line to Leeds' yeah. end. <laughs> um, I mean, Bielsa, Bielsa, God, afterwards, he did so many interviews, obviously pitch side and press conference, and everything he said was just like we were terrible, like. Everything we prepared for, everything we knew it was going to happen, like it did happen, and everything we tried didn't work. It was there was a, there was one quote that I put in my article, and it was nothing happened in their half, and everything happened in our half, and like everything he said was just like so brutal yeah. about their own performance and their well, not so much yeah, not the preparations, just the the execution of it. Um, but I mean, yeah, so it was always going to be an open game. There was always going to be spaces to run into. You know, I kind of predicted in terms of a team. And again, this is something else I put in the article. Pep couldn't pick a slow team, could he? Like, and I think I mentioned that Wolves game there, but people are like, oh, the passing's too slow or blah, blah, blah in certain games. You know, maybe, maybe it is. But like, these are the same players that play against Wolves, play against Palace, they play against Southampton, well, Southampton yeah. Everton, West Ham. Like, it's uh, just before we go on to talk about the madness of last night, did, it should maybe help people appreciate how difficult it is to play against teams that are closed off. And it sounds like Guardiola coming on after a, a scabby win or a, or a defeat or a draw and saying, oh, well, you know, it's really difficult and nobody really believes him. But it's like, look, look at the evidence. If a team opens up, City are going to absolutely run riot. It'll, it will be a shambles if they do that. Yeah. like then- Because they're so good. And, and and that was it basically. So Leeds, the way they play, it was always going to be open. So Guardiola couldn't have picked a slow lineup. But the fact that Gundogan didn't play, and I'm not saying he's a slow player, but he's obviously gone, maybe with the back stuff as well with Gundogan. But he said he was fit to play, and obviously he came on at half time, so he was obviously fit. But he was obviously looking and going, I'm just going to put another dynamic player in there. And it was just okay. You, you can just <laughs> sort. You, like, but it was one of those games. You know when people always say about Guardiola, he tells you what to do on the training pitch, and then you go on the pitch, and it happens. Like this was a very obvious example of that just because it led to very obvious things happening. And by yeah. that, I mean, Rodri running into the box with the ball <laughs> at his feet. Like he, he, the, I'm sure these kind of examples happen every game, but you know, it's, it's a bit harder to notice five yards of space between the left back and the left center back opening up for a second. 
Yeah. But it's much easier to go, okay, even Ruben Diaz is trying to run through them. Like it it was it, that's all it was. Like it was the it was the circumstances of the game. And you know, yeah. if, if every team played like that, it will it would be the same result. In terms of approach, but also in the fact that Leeds were shite. Yeah. <laughs> I, I mean I, I I had a friend who is a Leeds fan who lives not far from me. We went for tea before the game and uh, I drove him to the Etihad. Uh, and he, he was actually sat in the home end uh, for the game. And uh, I met him afterwards to give him a lift back, and he just he looked dishevelled, and we, we was like, like the the response was genuinely, I I think that was the worst night of my life, like just that yeah. like that level of of how bad leads were. <laughs> um, I, I mean, from a city point of view, Sam, I'm not convinced that it could have gone any better. Um, I mean, obviously the mm-hmm. scoreline, you go, it's say seven nil. The scoreline was there, but then you have like key players got like the fact that he made three subs before sixty-five minutes to take three key players off, and you've got De Bruyne who looks like he's he's just gone. Okay, I'm I'm over my injury and and my bout of COVID now. Mm-hmm. Uh, it just like I, I'm not sure what what could have happened that would make Guardiola go. Well, it'd have been nice if this happened as well. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. Um- yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure. Well, you know, to be fair, I'm sure with Guardiola, there's there's something probably, isn't there? But this is probably one of those games where you just think that list of things that he'd say, we, look, we need to focus on this, is going to be very short compared to after that Wolves game when he talked about how they managed the last few minutes. He sounded like quite annoyed about that. And like it's definitely something that they'll be they'll be talking about in, again in the future and they will have already. But the Wolves game, yeah, probably not. Um, the only small stupid point that I'm going to make, and this is just because I'm one of those relentlessly negative people but do you remember when Liverpool beat United 5-0 and I said they were a disgrace because for the last half an hour when United had 10 men they were all just trying to score ridiculous goals and it could have been 8 if they'd actually done it properly Yeah. Like the last 10 minutes all the City players were just like well I'm going to have a shot now and I was like oh lads just if you make that pass you could get 10 but that's, that's, <laughs> that's, the, that's the only thing I would say and obviously when, when you're complaining about the difference between 7 and 10 it's not a it's not a serious have they gripe. have they updated the scoreboard at the Etihad yet? Like if if For City what? if City were to hit double figures, would it fit? Because there was definitely oh, right. that, that Watford game when they had the the score up. I remember that they were yeah. it was it was the they changed the scoreboard so it was it was like really really old for some reason. It was like um, a, a throwback to the like the eighteen nineties for for some reason. Um, I think it was like, like kind of like the the 125th anniversary of the club or something, so, something like oh, yeah, that. That sounds all right. Um, uh, and I remember thinking when it got to like seven and eight, if they if they go all the way to ten here, it will fit on the scoreboard because that season they they put the score in a like a, a place where it was really narrow on the side. And I was like, there's no room if it hits double figures. There's no room to get the two figures in there. We'll just um, get rid of just get rid of Watford's score. <laughs> <laughs> just put ten. Yeah. So like, I, I'm not sure. I don't if know they, if they sorted I, it. I'm not it's sure massive it's now, scoreboard. isn't it? Yeah. It's just it's just it just fills the whole screen. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Probably not. Well, I don't know. Just, maybe it's something they they need to look at urgently because no, I mean it's not like it's going to happen all the time, is it? Because no. there'll be plenty of teams coming and they they will not be playing like that. Yeah, it's still it's still City are the last team to score ten in England, and I want them to be the next. And they got so close again, like they they keep getting so close, and they've not uh, they've not done it. Um, yeah, I know, but I mean, it, let's be honest. It wouldn't be a celebration, would it? If City scored 10, especially in a Premier League game, you ain't going to be waking up to, oh, what a great team. What a great team this is. No, I, well, well, from some quarters you will, but... Uh, well, yeah, definitely from some. Yeah. But, um, yeah. 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 Um, and we, we'll, we'll be there praising it and saying, oh, what about this and what about that? And that'll be ignored because there's things to be angry about. <laughs> but there we go. 
how 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 City ran out seven nil winners in a game that I just said couldn't have gone better, and we're sitting here picking you picking things to moan about. It's, uh, we're, it's not, fun, we're not. We're not. No, 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 no. Um, um, yeah. Some thoughts. Anyway, some thoughts. Sam, on uh, the shape because uh, before the game. Um, Obviously, the, the team comes out and he's got three centre-halves in there. And uh, I saw your tweet, which was uh, along the lines of, it's not that deep, it's just stones at right-back. Yeah, um, I didn't... I mean, I saw the team and I just thought, look, at this at this point of Guardiola, I'm not going to spend an hour wondering what the team is. Like, I was I was at Premier League Studios the, the other week and I was working with Olivia, who's a Chelsea fan, and they picked a pretty mad team. Um, so was, there was a lot of rotations, but there was also a lot of players who didn't necessarily fit into a kind of defined Thomas Tuckle shape. So her and a load of Chelsea fans were like, oh, what's going on? I can't work out. Like, oh, Is it going to be this? Is it going to be this? And I was just like, lads, you're obviously new to this. Just don't <laughs> just don't, don't waste your time for an hour. Just wait until kickoff and you'll see what happens. So when I saw Stones in the defence, I was like, uh, to be honest, I guess he'd probably just covered that space in a, in a kind of very loose way. You know, if he needed to be over there, he'd be over there. And I suppose that was what happened because... Because as as part of what Guardiola would have looked at from the game and gone, well, the, like Guardiola obviously went, well, this is what this is how this game is going to go. So you need to do this and you need to do this. Obviously, as part of that, it's no look that he probably thought Stones at right back, absolutely fine. Like you can you can you can just you don't have to do anything special here. I mean, you maybe you can make an overlapping run if you want, but there's other things going on. So he obviously he was obviously just like, well, Stones playing at right back is absolutely fine. Um, I don't know what's going on with Walker actually. Um, but address that even in that very loose way. Um, I, d- I don't know if there's some kind of reaction to the red card, which it kind of looks like by now. Um, I spoke to somebody. Did kind he play of against Wolves? He didn't, he didn't did say he was, he was injured. No, he didn't play against Wolves, but he was on the bench, and then yeah. he's not on the bench altogether. Which kind of strikes me as well. I don't know. So there's there's two possible scenarios I can think of, and please let me know if you think of any more. So he's either got injured and wasn't fit enough to be on the bench, or the only other thing, because you think if Guardiola was going to say you fucked us here, you're not even in the squad. That surely would have been Wolves. Yeah. So the fact that he was on the bench for Wolves but wasn't last night, so he's either got injured or just otherwise unavailable, or he reacted terribly to being on the bench against Wolves, and Guardiola thought, well, right, absolutely not in the squad then. Um, but what I mean, a, that's the only. That, yeah. I don't know. What about the third possibility of the fact that I, I know? I know me and a few friends are concerned if Walker gets injured, then there is uh, the potential that City have have problems there. Um, a possibility that that it's just a couple of games in a in in a short space of time, and he's looked at it, thought Stones can do the job. Let's let's give Walker the night off. <sighs> Not really, because the whole reason he was picked against Leipzig was because he didn't play against Villa, and he needed to get that match rhythm back, and that. You know, the, make sure the match load was all balanced and all that kind of stuff. And now, obviously, for other reasons, he's gone. Well, you're not playing against Wolves because presumably because you know you fucked us in midweek. Um, but yeah, now now he's missed two games. I don't know because all of a sudden now is he going to get chucked back in against Newcastle? Possibly, possibly. Um, but it, it's like as a right back, it's difficult to come on as a sub, isn't it? Like last yeah. night, you saw you you saw subs being made that were like, okay, yeah, that just makes sense. Get Fernandinho and Ake on. Um. Give them some minutes, rest the other lads. Um, but yeah, it, I don't know. I'm sure we'll be back as very soon, but it's just a weird one. And anyway, Scott, speaking of talking about things to moan about it's after a 7 0 win, we've now done 15 minutes on Carl Walker and Guardiola <laughs> having a massive row, um, which no, I'm, I'm not sure is the case. But anyway, the only reason I mention that is because 
So with Stones at right back, if they were playing anybody else, he probably would have thought, I don't know, you know, it, it may well have worked, but he would have had much more to do as an actual right back than he yeah. actually did. But as the game, obviously as the game went, as part of the overall plan, it was just, you're not going to have much to do. Or at least it's going to be managed in such a way that it will be fine. And obviously, I don't, because I don't think they actually expected it to go exactly as it did because, you know, Leeds didn't carry any threat at all. Yeah. And I don't think they'd ever go into it going, well, they've got loads of injuries, so it's probably going to be a piece of piss. But um, that's just how it, it panned out. So, I mean, in ter- but in terms of the shape, it was just because it was man to man. So they went, okay, well, you're going to follow me, so I'll, I'll run you over here. Someone's <laughs> going to... And then someone's just going to run through the massive gap from deep. Like City had four or five men kind of on the front line. Sometimes Foden would drop deep and create that space behind him there, which is like, it's like surely everyone knows how to play against a false nine by now. It's like the whole point is if you're a centre back, you just, you can't go with him. And I know that's yeah. difficult, but generally it seems like defenders have adapted now. It's not like the first time it happened. I was going to say 10 years ago with Pep. Obviously it happened like 60 years ago, 70 years ago, whatever. But it's not like the first time it happened when you think, oh God, I better go with him. Now they just don't. But obviously the Leeds defenders did because it was man-to-man. But also there was times when there'd be that kind of movement towards the ball, there'd be other movement away from the ball, like running in behind. So that pulls the defenders back. And then like Rodri and De Bruyne would just kind of stand on the halfway line. And in all that space that would open up in front of them, they'd then get the ball. They'd be like, right, crack on then. And just, yeah. just run forward. But all, I mean, look, the patterns and exactly what they did is is over my head. But it was just clear, like I said earlier, Guardiola just said, well, you make this run here. You play the ball to there. And then when he gets the ball and if you make this run, the space will be in there. So you can either pass it into it or you run into it. And that would just happened throughout for the well, night. I was going to say, do you remember? I, I, I'm sure it was a Manchester derby um, about uh, 20... 18 or so. Um, I'm sure it was uh, Mourinho still in charge of United. And the United plan was uh, let Otamendi bring it forward because he's the one that's not uh, like, uh, he's the one that's not the best on the ball. Yeah. And I I just remember thinking last night, like, I've never seen at any point in any City game in the last 10 years, 12 years, ever since the takeover, I've never seen a, a game where so often a different centre-back had the option to just go, all right, then I'll bring it 15 yards forward into your off. Oh, oh, you're not actually... Co- okay, I'll just carry on going. And there yeah. was a number of times where... where like, Diaz did it. Stones did it, uh, 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 admittedly, from right-back. Well, um, I remember against Leeds last season. And, at uh, home. Uh, when, no. they, when, when Leeds dug in, because they had 10 men. Yeah. And... Stones like Stones made like he covered like however it was like a, a thousand, it was more like a, a quarterback it was running back he, he caught he covered like a thousand yards or whatever just carrying yeah. the ball forward because that that's exactly what happened and then Laporte did it as well where they where they carried the ball into the lead half laid it off and then went I'm just going to sprint into the box now and just like like, like go for that return pass and I was like you're well, it, the, it just yeah. like that that never happens and then it, well, it was the, time yeah, and not, time not, and time not, again not yeah not to go into the box I mean the thing is when teams sit deep and I noticed it a bit against Wolves at the weekend and I remember there was an you know when City beat Arsenal one nil like, earlier this year like Sterling scored a header after like a minute yeah but then it was but then it just finished one nil because Arsenal were like really well organized and they just sat deep and they were like okay well the centre backs can have it I think it was Stones and Diaz then but they're all comfortable enough just to carry it up the pitch. And in games like that, where the team are just sitting back, so like Wolves on Saturday, they are comfortable with it. But obviously, there's only so far you can go and, you know, you get there. You carry the ball forward and then it's like, okay, well, I'm just going to shuffle it to Maris then or whoever. But obviously, yeah, last night, they just went, uh, may as well carry on then. <laughs> Plenty and of space, then that's, yeah. why, that's why it was just so mad. Like, yeah, um, 
I suppose, yeah, the funny thing is if teams play like this all the time against City, then it would happen more often. Because um, normally, like that Watford game, it's just a team are having a shocker and City are like in a ridiculous mood. But it, last night was just like, it's, it was an absolute dream. I was thinking after about, my God, maybe it was about five, ten minutes, but I was just like, they must be genuinely really enjoying this. Yeah. Because, you know, Guardiola always says, he always says about like people like Foden and Cancelo about how much they love football, but he's, and he kind of ties it, or maybe I'm tying it actually, but to another thing he says about how footballers got into playing football to play. They don't, it's his whole thing about philosophy and wanting to play the right way. I don't think he necessarily believes that a player got into football so they could dig into their own box and, and defend you know, and defend run and, for yeah. 90 minutes. Yeah, exactly. Like they, they want to play. And I was thinking, all these technical, brilliant players that you've got, even like. Like you wouldn't class Rodri as one of like the attacking midfielders or the wingers, but he was doing exactly the same things. He was able to do exactly the same things as the forward players were last night. And it's just like they must they must love this because okay, you could play against Yokohama F Marinos in a preseason friendly, and it might be the same, but it's preseason, you know. It's not you haven't set, got the same yeah. competitive tension. So last night they had the competitive tension of we need to put in this performance to win three points and make sure we stay at the top of the league. All our fans are here. There's a proper I'm not saying a proper atmosphere like you know Liverpool at home a couple of years ago, but a proper atmosphere in terms of like they want us to win. It actually means something, and also we can do anything we want. Like we can run with the ball, we could make those killer passes. We can obviously like especially the first 70, 80 minutes. <laughs> we can do all these things Guardiola wants us to do, and link up and score. We can score beautiful goals, and it actually means something. Like it, it, I think that's a very rare situation. I'll, I'll, let me let me just limit it to City. Like I, I think that is a very rare situation for City because so often you got huff and you puff your way through a game, yeah. and you come away from beating Wolves one nil, and you've done brilliantly to do your job. You think, "Fucking hell, that was a grind." Um, and they must have just been loving it. And like I'm, I'm sure Sterling and Jesus were absolutely gutted not to get on because yeah. they would have done exactly the same. Though. Yeah, could have exactly, especially though. with Sterling. Like it, like I said earlier, Pep couldn't pick a slow lineup because of all the players he's got. But he could have easily put Sterling into that and it would have been exactly the same result. Sterling probably would have got 101, 102 Premier League goals, not on the night. Um, <laughs> Adding add to, add to his 100 from the weekend. Um, uh, yeah, and I mean, Jesus would have been the same, but it was, yeah, just, they must, they must have absolutely loved that. Um, yeah. I mean, I was going to say, it's, it's back to a pack defence against Newcastle now, but the thing is, Newcastle are that bad. Newcastle, I saw a stat this morning. They give away a penalty every 2.7 games. So they give one away um, at the weekend. So, uh, <laughs> oh, right. So they're, uh, safe, yeah. they? they're safe, They're safe. I reckon, until the game after. So that's uh, so it might, well, might they, be a they grind. Are, they are at Anfield, though, aren't they? <laughs> oh, they are. That's true. So, well, I mean, that's, that's, an, that's another one. Yeah. Um, uh, something that, uh, that I thought of while you were speaking then as well, Sam, there is one player I can think of at City who who uh, clearly did get into it for the defending and the uh, and the, the putting the body on the line. And that's uh, Ruben Diaz, you know, captain material, uh, bicep yeah, emoji. Yeah. Yeah, no, I mean, look, the thing is now, whenever we post anything, people like tag me in it. And I'm like, <laughs> this is, which is, which, yeah, there's another element to that. But one is just, uh, this, this, this post is fine. This isn't what I'm talking about. Like, it's just, like, this is just the bog standard shite. After the game, yeah, emoji laden tweet from a footballer, which you know they've never, they've never had any input on, and they never will have in their lives. That image suspiciously bought from Getty. I'm a bit, I'm a bit, yeah, exactly. I'm a bit Gary Neville. Well, they'll be from, they'll be from the club because they take yeah. that many really good ones. To be fair, um, but I mean that I'm a bit Gary Neville on this whole. You know, the footballers just um, like they should. Like, if you're going to do it, 
do it properly. But then, I, but I also appreciate the fact that you know I heard Nadam on the football cliches part. I finished listening to it yesterday, and he was like, as you can well imagine, what is the point in like if you are a footballer, what is the point in saying anything? I'll just, the, the good example actually is remember when Foden's people tweeted about like I'm ready to I'm ready for you or whatever for for Mbappe when City knew they were playing PSG in the Champions League and like they ended up they ended up firing the social media guys and it was like that wasn't even like that I mean that is not really controversial is it but it's just no, a yeah. kind of if it's like an image of arrogance slash confidence or what whichever way you want to put it that footballers don't want to project because they've got to be humble they've got to just thank the fans for for being great and and keep working hard so it's shit like it's shit they should just not bother basically anyway Diaz um and the other thing is I don't want to like and the thing is now every time I put something about Diaz I think I obviously don't like him or don't rate him or whatever because of, because of this so last night do you, know, do you remember when do you remember when Leeds had that attack and he he got back he did really well but then he, he went to ground and the guy cut back inside him towards the byline and because he was at halfway down he just kind of flopped on the floor like a fish to try and block a low cross yeah but like the ball didn't go near him anyway I was I was going to tweet something about it and I just thought because that is objectively a funny thing, and I just thought people are going to think I'm just getting on Diaz's back, so I just didn't bother. No, it was anyway, really funny. It was say? fun. Yeah, it was just really funny. Yeah. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I want to talk about uh, a couple of players in particular from uh, the game, Sam, because um, let's, I mean, first off, Kevin De Bruyne. Um, I, I'm, I'm mixed a little bit on this because uh, obviously in, in the press conference afterwards, I think you highlighted it uh, either in your piece or um, uh, on Twitter, uh, that Guardiola talked about uh, De Bruyne, uh, just the, the, the kind of on the break De Bruyne, if you know what I mean. Mm, yeah, um, I think this is absolutely fascinating. But the, there was also like the fact is it, it, you can't look past the fact that it was a really, really good performance. He's had a really, really difficult season this season so far with injury and with uh, catching COVID. Um, and I mean, the, the biggest thing for me there was there was a there was a fantastic temper tantrum at seven nil when uh, he, he tackled one of the Leeds players on the break and was thinking I can I can break away and 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 get something else here and the ball ricocheted back to the Leeds player. And he's on the pitch throwing a right paddy. So like like that, it's at seven nil as well. I mean, I I put something in the article. It might be the same thing, but he slapped both of his thighs like really annoying, like really annoyedly. That's not a word. Um, so yeah, and I, I put that in the article just to show that it was one of those games. As because as much as anything, you know, in terms of getting into a rhythm and fitness and whatever, it was just a game to run your bollocks off as well, wasn't it? Especially if you're De Bruyne, it was just you stay out there for the full ninety minutes and you just. Give it hammer and tongs for the for the for the whole thing. Yeah, I guess and what I'm getting really at help. 
is it, I mean, it, it, it's, it did that performance only happen because Leeds basically went here after the middle of the pitch? There's so much space. Not only happened, but it was a massive factor in it. So I wasn't. So the the article I I considered, well, the article I wanted to do as the game was developing, um, and I may still do it. But basically, the thing about last night was you could watch the highlights, and there were seven goals, and there were a lot of them were great goals and you know, enjoyable game, enjoyable highlights. But so many things happened in that game that were like brilliant moves or like brilliant bits of skill that you'll never see again unless you watch the 90 minutes because they didn't quite lead to a goal. So when they show match of the day, I'm sure by the time, that's on I think on Wednesday night, loads of other games, it was 24 hours ago, it might not be the longest highlight package. So it's probably just going to be one lead attack and seven goals and maybe the best chances. But I was thinking, I'm going to round up all the brilliant things that happened, all the brilliant moves that didn't actually lead to a goal because everyone's going to see the goals. I want to talk about all the other brilliant stuff that happened. But it was just like that one where Morris floated the ball to the back post and Gundogan flicked it with the outside of his boot. Oh, it dribbled just wide. wide. Yeah. That would have been... Because that started with like Zinchenko doing a bit of skill down on the on the left touchline and, and getting inside, like getting past a couple of players and getting inside and switching the play. Like it was just... It was great. And there were so many moments like that when it was just like, oh, that had gone in and would have been amazing. Um, so, yeah... So that was the article I kind of wanted to do. And my editor was like, look, everyone's going to be talking about De Bruyne getting back to his best and how it's like a scary proposition for the league. And I'm like, yeah, I mean, for a start, everyone is going to be talking about that. So I kind of don't want to. But the interesting thing for me is where he fits in because let's not pretend that unless there's an injury to Gundogan or Bernardo, he's going to be back playing in those midfield spots the majority of the time. Because I think... So, I mean, he did against United, and Bernardo was the false nine, wasn't he? So I'm not saying De Bruyne can't get into that midfield for love and money. Like, he can. There will be times for that. But I think it is fair to say, not through necessarily his own performances, because, you know, because of the injuries and the COVID, but De Bruyne is not at the moment the first choice for those two positions. And a lot of fans have been saying, and to be fair, we had this discussion earlier in the year, and I wasn't really buying it, but I, I do see it more more now. A lot of people have obviously been saying that City are better with Gundogan and, and Bernardo in there. And I understand kind of the logistics of that and why that is and leaving fewer spaces. And it's more short passes, it's careful use of the ball. And it's everything we've been saying that Guardiola, especially this year, has built this city into. You know, it's 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 more passes, it's more stability, it's more control, leaving fewer spaces to counterattack. And I so I wanted to go down the route of, well, I think I didn't want to go down this route because I know the route is. De Bruyne was brilliant last night, but really it was a game made for him in terms of you can just run into all that space. And when Guardiola talks about the fact they don't counterattack, he always says, oh, it was better when we had Sane. He goes, yeah. it goes it's okay when we've got Foden or De Bruyne. But normally, just because of injuries, like at the start of the season, they, they haven't been playing, so they don't do the counterattacks. But then you think, oh, well, this was obviously a game where there was an opportunity to do that and there was space to run into. So it's fine for De Bruyne. But the kind of thing I was thinking, really, I was like, just because he was so great in that game, it doesn't necessarily mean that this is going to happen all the time. It does mean, I think, that he's getting back towards his top form and he's going to be a very important player for City during the, the run-in because, look, as much as City won 7-0, Liverpool might be Newcastle 7-0 on Thursday. You know, as, as much as City are doing their brilliant things, Liverpool are doing it as well and Chelsea will be there or thereabouts as well. So they are going to need him to make those differences. But 
I didn't want to go too far down the road of De Bruyne is back now. It's a scary for the rest of the league because he's going to do this, he's going to do this, he's going to do this. But I was like, well, I can't. I, was like, I don't want to make that point after a 7-0 win because he has been great and he is going to make a difference, but just not in that way. But I don't want to, I don't want to talk about it now. You know, this is something to talk about. Uh, just another time, basically. But so I started just going down the route of, okay, well, you know, this was a game made for him and he was fantastic and he is a great player and let's focus on that. And then obviously Guardiola, to get back to the question you asked 27 minutes ago, <laughs> Guardiola was talking about the circumstances of him, you know, being injured, missing the preseason, not being fit, playing a lot of games, but getting back towards his level and then getting COVID in the international break in November. So that threw him off. And then he said, we knew it would be the type of game where they where Leeds leave a lot of wingers and forwards up the pitch. So it'd be a lot of spaces. And he says, and on the transitions, Kevin is the best. And then he, I was like, oh, hold on. Like, I mean, obviously that is true, isn't it? And we can praise that, but how many off, how many games are they going to have transitions like that? Yeah. City don't play like that. The opposition don't play like that, but City don't play like that. They don't, they don't want transitions. They want they want control. And then he said, against Wolves, again, no, against teams that sit tight, he can struggle a bit like Wolves. And you think that is that is really interesting, isn't it? Because it's like that is. I was surprised at the start of the season when he said the team are maybe more stable when Bernardo plays instead of De Bruyne. But then obviously he said De Bruyne can give them great things, and as a false nine, he can link up with the wingers, and he's got those specific qualities. But the fact he said they were more stable right back in the first game of the year, I thought was interesting. And, and now he's this, saying yeah. he, he can struggle a bit against teams that sit deep, and it's like, well, everyone you play against sits deep, and it was funny actually because. What I was saying there about I don't want to go too far down the route of, oh, you know, what's De Bruyne's role these days after a 7-0 win? Because you can't. And I was watching the highlights on Sky Sports News this morning, and then they had Guardiola's press conference. And obviously they cut little bits of it you know, just to make it quicker and, and snappier. But I think they also made it, they cut little bits of it just to make it more positive. And, you know, this is, you know, we're talking about how great De Bruyne is, so we need Guardiola's quotes from De Bruyne. And they cut the little Wolves bit. And I was like, you see, this is what I didn't want. This is the route I didn't want to go down either, where you're praising him too much because, okay, you can talk about the 90 minutes and you can say it was a fantastic performance because it was. But you know what I'm always like? I'm always trying to be bigger picture. And the bigger picture is very interesting because it's just, he is going to be very important, but probably in a slightly different way now. Yeah. And it's going to be as a false nine or in whatever kind of positions that he can get into that, also allows Bernardo and Gundogan, as long as they're fit, um, to to do their thing as well. So it's really fascinating. And I think if one of those two were to be injured, obviously Gundogan's had a bit of a bad back, but he's been fine to play. And now Bernardo Silva's got the muscular niggles, which Guardiola says isn't an injury. Um, but you think it's, it's inevitable at some point that they're going to miss games. And De Bruyne will go back into the midfield. And... I'm sure in most games it would be absolutely fine, but it will be interesting to see if that there is a kind of noticeable lack of control, especially now we're looking for it. And then maybe we'll look at this again and just be like, where does... Again, it sounds like a negative question, but where does De Bruyne fit? What is his best role in this team now? Because if he is a false nine, he's not doing the transition stuff. He's not doing all the amazing things yeah. that he did last night that made it look like this is De Bruyne back to his best. It's like anyone who plays there, I've said this before, it's kind of a thankless task for like as far as we're all concerned because you don't necessarily come away from the game saying, "Oh, Phil did amazing there to drag men out of space." You know, it, uh, but Guardiola will at least. Yeah. But in terms of that playing in the game because it's fun and doing all the things you grew up doing, probably false nine isn't necessarily that. 
it is more about making space for the people isn't it and and you know doing more intelligent work and probably scoring fewer goals overall um so and i don't think that's it wouldn't get the best out of de bruyne but it might get the best out of the team so i know it was a kind of long answer but i do think it's really really, really interesting. interesting and as yeah. much as we can talk about how amazing last night was and i'm sure you've got plenty more questions that we can tie into that and obviously how great de bruyne was last night i think it is more interesting that he's the best in the transitions but he can struggle against teams that sit deep and it's like how how often are you going to be playing a team that lets you transition like that yeah. so yeah. yeah it's a really fascinating situation another player that, that uh, I want to touch on Sam because like, there was it was about three or four minutes into the game when the penny dropped that this could be a turning point for him uh, in in kind of maybe not in Guardiola's head when it comes to how well he's been playing this season, but maybe for a lot of fans and for for a lot of outside influences in that Jack Grealish looked he looked ready for this game. And I guess it it kind of comes down to the transitions thing again, the fact that he had a lot of time on the ball, a lot of space to run into. Um but it also felt like he like he really needed that game. Yeah, it's the same thing. Uh <laughs> these are the games that footballers grew up wanting to play and these are the kind of games that he, he kind of got against, well, when he was playing for Villa. Not necessarily teams leaving themselves wide open, but obviously there'd be loads of spaces on the break. Teams weren't fighting for their lives to to stop the waves forward of Villa possession. You know, it was, well, you, you can counter-attack and you can play these games. So again, it suited him and I wouldn't want to go too far down the route of, oh, well, Grealish is blah, blah, blah. Because, you know, I've always thought he was playing well enough anyway. And if he put away a couple of the tappings that he'd missed against like Watford and Wolves and there was one against Leipzig. We'll be saying how good he is anyway. So I don't think he's that far away from it. He's still getting in the right positions and you know, even if he's not playing brilliantly, if he gets a goal, everyone's going to talk about how brilliant he is. And then he scores a goal last night in a game that we've just talked about with all that context of De Bruyne with a load of spaces in. He scores it doesn't necessarily mean it's going to change anything. <laughs> but what it does mean is it's good for the confidence. Like, it's, it'll be good for De Bruyne's confidence. De Bruyne will be thinking, you know, obviously, not just thinking, but doing. You know, his his legs are fresher now. So that does put him in a position to perform better. And I think Grealish scoring, you see how happy he was. Um, and obviously, the guy who's doing his social media was obviously sanctioned to say, so it was something like there's, it was whatever the context was, I've been waiting for that. You know, I've been waiting for that yeah, goal. Yeah. And you could see how happy he was when he scored it. It looked like a lot of the players were happy for him as well. And that might just be, you know, it's the equivalent of one going in off your ass and things will turn. And it, it just feels a bit like that. That might help the confidence a bit. But in terms of, are we now going to see top form Grealish like we saw at Aston Villa? No, because he's asked to do a different thing now. He's still doing different things on the pitch, which means he's not the same kind of player. If... If Newcastle are, are terrible or open or both, then he may do it. But I mean, he might be false nine against Newcastle. He's not going to be doing the same things. Yeah. If he's on the left wing, he might be staying really wide to to let Gundogan have that space inside. Um, Cancelo presumably be back. Maybe Walker's back. And if Cancelo's back, then he's back on the left. And it, it's all different. So yeah, Grealish definitely did need that for the confidence. And I thought he had a, a good performance. It would have been nicer to see him kind of car- carry that, given how open it was and how many chances there were, Generally, at the end, all the all the moves forward were kind of Foden and De Bruyne and Mahrez. It would have been nice to see him involved in a bit more of that in the latter bit of the game and and keep up that performance for ninety minutes. But no, it was good. It was promising for him, promising for the team, and yeah, the the confidence should help. 
Do you think we'll find a performance that I do think bodes well? <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. You know, you, but you know I, what I mean, don't you? Like, it's just a different game. Like, they're never going to have that again. So, well, until they go to Ellen Road, presumably. Like, it's just not going to be like that. So we can talk about De Bruyne and Foden and whoever run into space. But like the, the thing they the thing they're going to need to do is completely different. But yeah, what you can say is the confidence in the form will probably help that. Yeah. Um, well, I mean, my my next question was going to be that Guardiola has been kind of almost almost relentlessly positive about Grealish um, because in in yeah. the face of also like, Grealish has been. Did you see yeah. the article in the in the Telegraph? He was really kind of harsh on himself. Yeah. Um, but it's it's almost like um, I, I don't want to say paying back the faith because like again he scored a header and it's not like it's not really what he's in the yeah, team to be doing. Well, yeah. So like but but there was there were so many times when he was just running into he, he was running at leads into space and and causing problems. And I remember there was a spell in the second half where because um, it, it ended up right being right in front of me. Um, where normally he plays on the left and comes inside onto his right foot and he was playing on the right. Um, I drifted a crossover after a corner or something and they hadn't done that thing where they just reset. So he was still yeah. kind of holding position on the right-hand side. Um, and I remember thinking, it'd be interesting to see what happens when he gets the ball here and if he if he goes, kind of goes around the outside on his right foot. And he didn't, he came inside on his left. And I was like, surely, surely there's a point where, where <laughs> like, like, like you, you, you just go on your right-hand side and it's no, it's like maybe he's just actually that unpredictable that he will, that he just always wants to come inside whether it's on his left or his right, I don't know. Is it probably just... No matter where you are on the pitch, you've got to realise where you are and what that role dictates. Yeah. And he's like, well, if, if this was Mahrez, he'd have to come inside because this is what the team need. Because look, if Mahrez is coming inside from the right, whoever's now on the left is going to have to make that run towards the back post, not in the same way. Look, may, look, maybe It wouldn't have probably been the same last night, especially if they're resetting from a corner, but you'll be expecting to go inside because you know the right back is going to, you know, the right back or Bernardo generally who ends up out there is going to get to the byline and offer that cutback option so they can make a low cross. Or Mares, a bit like that Gundogan chance, he's going to flip to the back post. So if you cut inside, that's what Mares is supposed to be doing. And then everyone's going to make the same run. Whereas if he'd gone outside, everyone would be making a different run. And I would imagine it's probably just him thinking, well, I've got to fulfill the same role that Mares will be doing here. But I mean, I might be wrong, but... Yeah. It's quite. It's possibly that because you know what it's like with positional play. Like players will find themselves in those, in those spaces for whatever reason during the game. Sometimes they've rotated because it's what they're supposed to do. Sometimes it's like you say, just covering. They're, just, well. they're yeah. just coming out from a from a set piece and they're a bit all over the place. But they've got to know what what to do in in those situations. And again, another good thing is, look, if I am right and Grealish has gone, okay, well, I'm I'm doing what I should be doing. What Marez is doing, it just goes to show again how well he gets it because I don't, don't think anybody's argued with the fact that he just seemed to know exactly what he needs to be doing in terms of positioning, in terms of offering for the ball, in terms of all that kind of stuff. It's just obviously, it's just the the, the end product of a kind of final third thing. Um, but yes, yeah, so he, is, he, is, he is settling in very, I, I, I've always said it, he's settling in very well. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I want to talk about Rodri as well because, um, I mean, the headline grab is is that run for the first goal, um, but there, oh, there was the pass for De Bruyne's. Yeah, the, I mean, like it was. I, I I can't remember who it was. It might have been Johnny Smith that I saw tweet it, but it was. Um, I, I, he was playing like Perlo. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah, um, maybe like a massive Iniesta in terms yeah. of how he was <laughs> running forward as well. Um, a massive. I like that. Um, yeah, uh, again, like there was loads of space. He was instructed to go and do it. That pass for De Bruyne's goal, 
I thought, I don't know, I think I'd guessed he did it with his left foot. And from where I was sitting, it looked like it was massively overhit. It was like, De Bruyne will do well to get this. And even if he does, it's going to be one of those where, you know, a bit like when Rodri ran through for the first goal and he overran it. And I thought he's going to absolutely flatten Meslier here and he might yeah. get sent off. But obviously he didn't. But then when he played that ball through to De Bruyne, I thought, oh, it's going to be the same thing where it's going to be like a 50-50 between De Bruyne and the keeper. But it just stopped. And De Bruyne, it just it was perfectly weighted. And De Bruyne, obviously, superb finish. And I thought, oh, what must that pass have been? And then you see it on the replay, outside of the right foot. It was it was just beautiful. It was like one of those bowl shots that just curls and stops exactly where it needs to. Obviously, um, just been uh, training with Cancelo. <laughs> yeah, yeah, possibly. Um, but, I mean, again, he's just technically great, isn't he? And again, how many times have we talked about um, Rodri's problem in his first season and the start of last season? He was doing all the things that they knew he wasn't good at to start with. Like he wasn't doing all the good technical stuff like that because there's again there's just no game where City can do that. There's no game where Rodri can run into space. Like it just doesn't happen. But we knew he could do that. But we all we saw was okay. Well, this guy's being run past again. Like can he even tackle? Because yeah. no, he couldn't at that point on this kind of sliding scale of where you need to be. He was low down it, and they knew that, and he was having to do it all the time. Now he's obviously much more protected. He's doing all the things he's good at. He's improved as well in those kind of individual defensive actions. But again, you take it to another degree entirely last night when it's just like, well, just show all this technical quality that we know you've got, and also show a load of technical quality that we didn't think you had in you because you never had to do it, and that is carry the ball forward and not not really take people on, was it? It was just burst through into that space a bit like Yaya Torre used to he wasn't always taking people on was he he was just going right I'm on the rampage here like yeah. De Bruyne does and it turns out Rodri can do that again uh, sorry he can do that as well but don't expect him to to be bringing that out of the, out of the closet again in the next few games because there's not going to be that if you space. do that against a, yeah. if you do that against a team that's more set up the the, the space you'd leave behind you would be absolutely criminal and I think Guardiola would bring him off like it was straight away come off what are you doing but that that's why he doesn't do it because the the, the the, the game situation doesn't allow it. But yeah, it was great last night. And again, it highlights in a really obvious way the brilliant season he's having. Like when Gundogan started scoring loads of goals, I was like, oh, he's good, isn't he? So he's always been good. He's just not been asked to score goals. Yeah. It was like last night. It's like, Rodri has been good all season, which to be fair, everyone listening to this podcast knows. But if you're watching the highlights on match today, you might start thinking, oh, I might put this guy in my fantasy football team because he's getting in the box. Do not do that. Like, do not do that. <laughs> Actually, that's yes, a, he is having a very good season. That, that That's a good shout because I have uh, two City players in my uh, fantasy league team and uh, I scored one point from them both after that Leeds game, which is... Uh, yeah, I saw a lot of that. I saw a lot of that. I thought, because I took Gundogan out of my team a couple of weeks ago, the weekend he scored actually, but then it wasn't too bad. It it was Maxwell Corne and he got injured, so that was good. But I thought, I was, I've, at least I've still got him in my draft team. That'll be fine. I looked this morning, I must have got rid of him in that as well. So, yeah, I had Foden at least. And in my draft team, I've got Edison, Walker, Stones and Laporte. So I was, and I've got Jesus, but yeah, at least I was picking up on the clean sheets. Christ, if Leeds had scored at the end, I would have been livid. Yeah, I know. Like yeah. livid. <laughs> and I'm sure a lot, like a lot of people in the ground would have been as well. You know, like a bit like, you know, when they beat Burton, was it 9-0? It wasn't 9-1, was it? It was 9-0. 9-0. And they didn't quite get 10. It was a bit like, oh, I was a bit of a shame. It, if they'd have, if Leeds had scored last night, it would have been a real pain in the ass. But anyway, there we go. Yeah. They didn't because he played really well. 
Don't like fantasy league chat, but Rodri, uh, yeah. 49 points for the season so far, so don't do it. Yeah, he's played more games than uh, everyone else around him in the in the list. And uh, yeah, so don't, yeah, don't don't yeah, yeah, don't do it. But yeah, exactly. But that's the thing with fantasy football you don't get you don't get points for being a a seven, eight, nine out of ten every week holding midfielder. Yeah. And that's what that's what he is. That's where the praise comes from. And like I say, everyone listening to this podcast knows he's really good. People who are just watching the match of the day highlights might go, "Oh God, who's this guy?" But yeah, we'll 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 be seeing the usual Rodri again over well the rest of the season, basically. Yeah. Fair the uh, the the interesting thing about him, the, the, there was a number of times that I I saw um, last night where I mean I mean we've been talking ever since kind of I, it might have been about Old Trafford where I first started to notice this where he was he was getting better at, at having the ball in tight spaces. The number of times where yeah. United were, were pressing him and and he was just kind of holding on to it and then finding that four or five yard pass to somebody who was now in space because he'd attracted two or three players. Um, but the, I mean, the one thing that, that I, I found watching him against Leeds, he kept, he kept taking up that position where he was the option for somebody to play it into in the middle and kind of then lay it off back into the run sort of thing. But they were, they were absolutely belting it at him and he was just yeah. taking it and, and going, right, all right, I'll deal with that, and then take all the pace off it and give it to you back in a way that you can manage. And I, like, I, I've, never seen, I've never seen that from a player who is, you know, well, I mean, he's a lot more than this, but he is nominally City's holding midfielder. A destroyer, you might yeah. call him. Yeah. 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 Well, he's a Spanish midfielder, basically. Like, like every international break, is it him and... Him and Thiago just belting the ball across the pitch <laughs> to each other, and like there was that video recently I mentioned it on the podcast before of Busquets just in the middle of a rondo, just doing the same thing you were saying there, just kind of deal with it, this. It. Wow, it's just it's just it is like talk about football DNA, but that is in the DNA, isn't it? Like they're, they're just unbelievable at it. It's it's absolutely drilled into them. And then obviously you go to a team, look, you might end up signing a Spanish midfielder. I don't know why Mikel Marino is in my head. I think it's because he's worth 100 million on my football manager game <laughs> at the age of like 31. Um, but I remember when he was at Newcastle, it's like you ain't getting the Spanish midfielder you bought if he's playing for Newcastle. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, but but if you get Rodri in a Pep team or Busquets in a Barca team, most Barca teams, a Thiago, a Thiago at Liverpool as well, like that's when you're going to see it. That's when you're going to see a player fully capable of doing this in an environment that fully maximizes it. And yeah, uh, we mentioned before the, those little rondo situations where it's almost like it's part of the way they stop counterattacks as well because obviously the opposition, if they get a foot in, the ball might just go up in the air. It's not clean, and it's like another team might just like they put their head in and they head it back, and then it goes to one of their midfielders and then they kick it forward. But it's like City are like, okay, well I'm just going to flick this back to like John Stones, and the ball will be bouncing, and John Stones will just flick it back to Diaz, and there's more control on that one, and Diaz will go out to Walker or back to Edison, and they're just fine. Because it's all these rondo situations where the ball's bouncing up and it's awkward, but they just knock it to somebody else and it's less awkward. They knock it to someone else and it's under control and they go again. Yeah. And yeah, Rodri is Rodri's brilliant at that. Like they all are. Like if you can get Carl Walker up to that standard, who would not have had the same football upbringing as Rodri, you can only imagine how good Rodri's going to be at it. Let's finish this week, Sam, with uh, let's take a little bit of a handbrake turn from the nonsense at the Etihad and uh, look at the uh, nonsense in Catalonia. Um, no, in in all seriousness, uh, Sergio Aguero has announced his retirement. Um, yeah, man, uh, it's 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 awful, isn't it? It's just really, really sad. There was a point uh, again in uh, in the game against Leeds where the fans were singing his name, and yeah, I think they it, have done every every time since it's become known as yeah every um, game. 
but it was it, it was with the announcement on the horizon that it suddenly hit me that um like it, it's really it was a really weird sense of loss that I was feeling um just like just that he wasn't there anymore and like I know he's not been there for all of this season and for even most of last season but he just isn't there and it's just it, it just hit me that it's that it's that moment where I actually really missed it oh um in a 7-0 uh, win I know yeah <laughs> Yeah, yeah, God. If, they, if he had a striker, would have been fourteen. Um, yeah, I, I mean, obviously, I'm, I'm not looking at it from the same point of view. I, the way I'm looking at it is, I mean, thank Christ he just felt a bit funny in the Alaves game and went off, and they've gone, okay, you can't play again because hopefully that means you know, because obviously Christian Christian Eriksen is okay, but fuck it. I mean, can you imagine Aguero or obviously anybody else going through that situation that Eriksen went in? Yeah during the summer it would just be awful so it's like okay it's a shame that he can't finish his career at Barca and then go and play for Miami for a couple of years or whatever but a big picture at least he just went out to go to the hospital and they went oh we better have a look at this um so it is obviously it is obviously a shame but it's you'd like to think that this means that he'll be able to just carry on living a normal life now without pushing you know without pushing whatever heart problem he's got further yeah um and i mean the, the thing for him is so we're recording this before he does his his announcement i want to see what he's like in that announcement because he's a very unserious guy isn't he yeah yeah, yeah. like he's just a piss taker isn't he? he's a joker like when he when he he left the etihad with that everton game there was no great speech was there he was just kind of just said some little short things and made a bit of a joke. It was quite awkward in terms of, you know, he's not, you know, he's not Vincent Company. He's not going to stand up and say, I've had the best years of my life at this club. He's just going to go, uh, thanks, thanks to the fans and then say something stupid about Otamendi and then leave. <laughs> um, like his Twitch streams are amazingly funny. And my Spanish isn't good enough to understand all of it, but like one thing, I think you, I, I can understand enough. But the other thing is, even just by the way he speaks and his mannerisms, you know, you it's just, just it's funny. Yeah. You just know it's funny. Even if you didn't speak any Spanish whatsoever, I think you'd in, you'd enjoy it. Um, and it, that's just what he's like. So I want, I mean, I'll be interested to see because ultimately, he's always been this light-hearted, less serious guy who has nevertheless always been really dedicated to doing his job on the pitch and, and always done it brilliantly. But like, he's always had football, hasn't he? Like on the Amazon documentary, you know, when they showed him in his house and he was just like, oh yeah, I'll just sit here on my own and watch good, um, Goodfellas or whatever. And it's just like, is that really all you do? But like, it didn't really matter because he, he was happy enough playing football. He was happy. Like everyone was always like, oh, fair play to him for staying in Manchester for 10 years. It's like, oh, he's not asked. Like, okay, he could have, he could have got more sun somewhere else, but he was always happy at City. He was happy with his life. He was happy playing football. And like, he didn't want to leave City, but like going to Barca is a great opportunity. I think his life's been brightened up a bit recently off the pitch because he's he's obviously got his girlfriend. They've got a dog, I think. And it just seems like at least we can be happy that, you know, he's knocking about his house with other people. Yeah. Um, but like the football really was the cornerstone of his life in a way that it is for for like basically every footballer, but especially the ones that come from, you know, just real nothing, like real poverty in South America. Like, like the story of his birth from his autobiography. I've done an article on it, but basically just you probably got his autobiography already, but the story of his birth is fucking unbelievable. I can't even remember the full details, but like his, his mom had to walk for like miles, and I like basically gave birth to him on the steps. I think 
they had to break his collarbone to get the baby out. He was described as like a like a miracle baby. Like the fact he was even born, that shouldn't have shouldn't have happened if you yeah. go by like the odds. And then I get a bit emotional here. Um, the way he, God, this is weird. I didn't expect this. Um, <laughs> the way he, um, just to have that much talent. I can't believe I'm actually crying. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't. I didn't expect yeah. to do this to you, to be honest. But here we are. No, um, it's just unbelievable. <laughs> I didn't. Uh, yeah, I always knew that. I liked him more than any non-city fan probably would. Yeah, but yeah, it's sad, isn't it? I there just. Uh, uh, but the, the the sadness of it as well. I just. I, I look at and I called it the madness in Catalonia because I. I. I the, the thing I feel really really sorry for him for is when he when he left City and he's thinking like yeah. he, he, like you said he didn't want to leave City, uh, but he's thinking at least I'm going to get to to go to to Spain, enjoy some time in the sun, and play some football with with one of my one of my good mates in <laughs> yeah, Lionel yeah. Messi, and then that situation blows up and he and he doesn't get that opportunity and then he's had to retire. It just it just feels like like an unfitting end to the career of, of yeah, exactly. a, 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 an absolutely point, brilliant really? football yeah um yeah i mean the, the the thing is he could have retired after 93 20 and he'd gone out <laughs> on a high it was all downhill from there um but yeah um but yeah basically yeah the point i was trying to make was it's just been it football's been kind of everything you know to take his it's taken his family he played for in he played for independiente in the top five when he was 15 years old i think i don't know if he's still the youngest player to ever made his debut but he certainly was at the time like that obviously earned his family some money and then he went to atletico madrid like a big move to europe sorted him out went to city and then he just went okay well i'm gonna stay here for 10 years and get the most goals and like I say, even like, the amount of ex-players I spoke to who said he like he just messed around in training, didn't do a lot, and then when Pep turned up, he was actually I better do something. But even so, all the extra work he did under Guardiola and off the ball to make the runs and, and to press and all this stuff, he was still scoring goals as well. They didn't make him any less of a player. But even before when he was kind of messing around at training under Mancini or Pellegrini, not doing a lot, he still scored twenty odd goals. Like it was just whatever you asked him to do, he did it. Um, it's just he's always because he's always had obviously the talent and the ability, but he's just he just loves football, and it will be interesting now to see at that press conference how sad he is. Like I, I can't work out if he's going to be sad because he knows he can't play football anymore, or if he's just going to read a statement and say something stupid about Artemendi. Do you know what I mean? Like just yeah, just, te- yeah. just just make it a lighter situation than it should be because that's just how he is as a person, and I suppose that's it now for the rest of his life. Like. Well, he's he's obviously comfortable. He's living in Barcelona, so he's already in a great place. He can go wherever he wants in the world. If he wants to live in Miami or LA, he still can. Um, if he wants to stream on Twitch all day or just play even without streaming, he can. But it will just be interesting just to see how he does, how he speaks, uh, yeah. cope. But but yeah, just you know, with, yeah, he won't have football anymore, and that's the sad thing for him. But yeah, just a. Uh, I should have I should have just left it at the bit where I got emotional really because I'm not I haven't really got the words to say anything else. But yeah, he's he's just he just he just seems like a great guy. And you're always wary about saying this about footballers because we're, what do we really know about what they do and what yeah. they're like and what they say? But like he just he just seems like a great guy, like just a really funny guy. And I mean, I hope he gets back on the streaming and I'll yeah. I'll certainly be watching. Yeah, we can uh, we can hopefully uh, enjoy it that way. But uh, but for now that brings us to the end of this week's uh, Why Always Us. Thanks as ever to Sam Lee. Yeah, thanks a lot, mate. That took a, a very unexpected turn. Yeah, sorry, I didn't mean to. I didn't mean to do that to you, but it's nice I didn't that, know it's, that it's, I didn't. I don't know where that came from. I don't it's know nice that it happened, though. It's uh, 
Yeah, it's uh, yeah. It, it's 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 a nice human moment from us. So uh, so there we go. Yeah. Um, if this was the Blue Moon podcast, though, would you have called it Massive Iniesta? Uh, absolutely, yes. Absolutely, one hundred percent, yes. Yeah, so good. sorry about that, but uh, That's right. yeah. Anyway, good stuff. Don't forget, you can sign up to the Athletic right now with a thirty-three percent discount. Just use the code Man City Pod. The Athletic. <laughs>